So for me, I'm thinking, well, I got $40,000 in equity. Like I can do this until it sells. Well, the problem is, is, you know, 2007, 2008 happened and all of a sudden my property was worth about 40, 50% of what I paid for it. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. Today's episode is sponsored by the Women Building Wealth Membership Group, the complete, proven, step-by-step course to guide women from novice to confident investor. To learn more, go to womenbuildingwealth.net. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest Deacon Hayes. Deacon, are you ready to rock? Let's do this. All right. Well, let me tell the audience about you. Deacon Hayes is the founder of WellKeptWallet.com. Go there now, which reaches over, well, you'll be one of a million people per month that are gathering knowledge from this site. He has been a contributor for the U.S. News and World Report, Investopedia, Clark Howard, and more. He is also the author of the book, You Can Retire Early, Everything You Need to Achieve Financial Independence When You Want It. And that is awesome. Deacon, take a minute and fill in any further tidbits about your life. Sure. So I'm married with two kids, live in Phoenix, Arizona, and I've been running wellkeptwallet.com since 2010. That's my full-time gig and just happy to be here with you today to kind of share a little bit of my story. That's awesome. And full-time, I think that's the dream of so many people to have been able to create a great website, people coming to it, getting value from it. I mean, if you were to give the, let's just take a person, a listener out there that's thinking, that's what I want to do with my life. What would be your advice? Make sure you're passionate about it because there's definitely times where you're like, I want to throw in the towel, but because I was so interested in the topic, I just kept going. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And truthfully, everything that you know, we face in life that becomes great really always faces troubles and struggles and all that. So great advice. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, Tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. So yeah, it was 2006 and I was in my early 20s and I realized, hey, real estate is hot in Phoenix, Arizona. It was one of the hottest markets in the United States. And so I wanted to get in on it and I thought, hey, you know, it'd be a a little bit lower risk is buying a condo. And then I even kind of, to make matters a little bit more complicated, I decided to buy two condos at about the same time. So I'm like, I'm going to double down on this opportunity because why not? They have zero interest loans and 80-20 loans and, or not zero interest, zero, zero down loans. Mm-hmm. And so basically I bought these two properties at the height of the market. One of them, the intention was to live and the other was to flip. Well, it turned out I had gotten an option arm loan, which meant that I could do a negative amortization payment, which meant that I could pay less than what I owe every month and, and my interest kept on building up and my, my principal actually went the reverse. So for me, I'm thinking, well, I got $40,000 in equity. Like I can do this until it sells. Well, the problem is, is, you know, 2007, 2008 happened and, and all of a sudden my property was worth about 40, 50% of what I paid for it. And not only one, but two of them. And, and here's the crazy thing is I actually, I decided to get multiple renters in the one that I was living in. And even the renters that were living with me were not enough to pay the mortgage, right? So I didn't have 
I didn't do all the proper research up front to say, hey, could I make cover all of these bills? In addition to that, this is another key thing that I learned. I was on a land lease with one of the condos and that land lease was up after 30 years to increase. And so my HOA payment astronomically went up. It was like a hundred and something and went to 300 and something a month. So you add that plus the, you know, the cost of, of the added interest because I didn't have a good loan because I didn't put enough money down. It was just this whirlwind of disaster and it was a horrible investment. And where did it fit in in your overall assets? I mean, at that time you're pretty young. I suppose this was a huge amount of what you, what you had, or was this a tiny amount of what you had? No, it was, it was a huge amount. And I didn't have, I mean, I might've had a little bit in the stock market, but nothing to speak of, you know? So it was, it was probably 95% of my assets. And at the time, you know, from a work perspective, I mean, how, how much, you know, were you able to be bringing in a lot of money and you were still at the beginning of your career and you weren't making a ton of money or what, what was the situation there? Yeah, no, I, I wasn't bringing in a ton of money. I mean, I, I had a good salary, but it wasn't something that was, that could, you know, float two properties with no tenants in it. So it was this constant juggle back and forth of like, oh, okay, I can't sell this one. So now I got to get tenants in it. Okay. This guy's moving out. I need to get a new guy in. So it's this constant like shuffling around of trying to figure it out to make it work. And the other question is, you know, what was the feelings going into it? Obviously going into it, the feeling was pretty exciting. This is an opportunity. I'm getting access to financing. This is a smart move. But at yeah, some point was, you also went into a deep, you know, a darker place probably. Yeah, it was, well, it was super exciting. And I, I mean, I felt like I had done the research because I knew I had like 40 grand of equity and I'm thinking, gosh, there's no, no market where I'm not going to get my money back. Right. And so I was putting money into renovating it. I had my dad come in, who's a contractor and he did some work for me. And so it was really exciting. But yeah, when the market started turning and, and no one was even making offers to buy, I, I started to panic, right? Like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Like, I was hoping this was going to pay off my student loans, right? This difference here. And it was the reverse, right? It actually ended up costing me more money. And so it went from this, you know, excitement to this panic to this, oh my goodness, what am I going to do now? And how did you, how did this situation resolve itself over time? Well, one thing I got married. So my wife and I, we moved into one of the condos. And so that helped, right? So we had dual incomes, we're able to pay on one. The other one, unfortunately, got foreclosed on because we owed just astronomically more. We couldn't get anybody to do a short sale. You know, we ran out of tenants. So we were literally, it was like 1800 bucks a month, I think was what it cost us to float it every month. And as a young married couple, it didn't have 1800 bucks to float, right? And especially because we had consumer debt, we had car loans, we had credit card debt. So it was just this, this huge mess. So unfortunately, the one got foreclosed on. But the other one, we were able to sell... <laughs> 10 years later for like a $40,000 loss. So, and how, how did that feel? It felt horrible. In fact, I got it. I actually got an inheritance at one point. And so I put that towards that condo to kind of get it down to where we could actually sell it. And so it was just a huge learning experience all the way around. What's amazing about this type of story is that it spans almost a decade. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, it's, it, I think a lot of people go into investments thinking, you know, hey, this will be an easy flip. I'll be in and out. But the reality is that some of these decisions can crush us for a decade. So let's help the audience understand what lessons did you learn from this experience? 
Yeah, the first thing is is the amount that you put down. So now the not this yeah the last house we bought we put twenty percent twenty percent down. And what that does is it's avo- it avoids private mortgage insurance, which is just basically wasted money. You're insuring that if you know something happens, the bank gets paid back. So and it also reduces your your monthly payment, right? So back then I didn't put any money down. So I'm basically paying 100% of what was owed every month and paying an astronomical amount of interest because I didn't put any money down. So your interest rate's a lot lower when you put 20% down and you don't have to pay private mortgage insurance. So those are two big takeaways from that. Mm -hmm. And if somebody is considering investing in property, as you've talked about a condo, a house, something like that, at that age, is, is it a good investment? Should they be putting their money there or should they be thinking, well, maybe I should build up investment in the stock market or maybe I should get something else and maybe I should rent or, you know, how do you think about how should somebody who's looking at it, they understand now, okay, I need to do a 20% down payment because that's going to take away a lot of the risks of this thing. But should they be buying a house? So typically what I say is save up an emergency fund first. So I have three to six months of your expenses. So let's just say you make three grand a month or you spend three grand a month. So that would be, you know, somewhere between nine and 18 grand in the bank. And then you should be maxing out like some of your IRAs, 401k if you have one, you know, so you're talking about $5,500, six grand a year, whatever it is now at least doing that before considering, hey, now should I buy a house, right? Those were things that I didn't do. And had I done, I'd have much more investments now as far as from an investment standpoint in the stock market. But there's this 10-year gap of where I'm like, gosh, I'm just trying to keep my head above water, right? So yeah, so get that emergency fund, then start investing in the stock market, and then consider buying real estate would be what I would advise. Yeah, that's um, you. You mentioned a point that I highlight in my book, how to start building your wealth, investing in the stock market. Which I basically say, you know, when we're young, we always hear, "Hey, make your mistakes while you're young." But really, with the power of compound interest and the compounding effect in the stock market, what I say is, mistakes when we're young cost us much more. Now, obviously, we want to take risks. We want to try things. You know, we're more resilient emotionally, mentally, physically. But the thing is, is that 10 years of contributing to an investment fund, let's say, or to an ETF or whatever that would be from the age of 20 to 30 is significantly more valuable than if you contributed that between 30 and 40 or 40 and 50. So I think one of the lessons that I try to teach my nieces when I got them started at a young age was like, don't touch this money and contribute to it regularly at the age of 18, 19, 20, you know, all the way up to 30. That's your golden time because of the power of compounding. So, you know, that's a lesson that I, I take away from this is the idea that, you know, big mistakes at a young age can be really damaging what you've really got to then catch up at a much faster pace at, you know, 30, 40, 50. Absolutely. And I I will say the big mistake though also is a catalyst for change, right? Where it's like, if you can make a mistake early, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'd rather make a small one. But the big ones, it's like that sticks with me to where like I'm very reluctant to invest in real estate, right? And I'm gonna I'm gonna be very cautious before I do it now. I'm gonna cross my T's and dot my I's, you know, like there's no way I'm gonna make decisions like I did before, right? Yeah, there's definitely a learning moment that comes when we make huge mistakes. Well, let me wrap up this section by just saying that a couple of things stand out to me. I mean, the first is that, you know, the first thing is fail to do research, which is kind of mistake number one. And I think that that 
particularly when the market's in a bubble and a boom time as it was in the property market at the time and products were being offered by banks. I mean, it's just so hard to resist that. But, you know, part of what I tried to say is, you know, take a step back, write it down. You know, that's the first step is to write down what it is that you're facing. And if you do that, that hopefully can give you some, you know, guidance. The second thing is fail to properly assess and manage risk. And I think that in this case, you've now given us a great risk management tool, which is minimum 20% down. Minimum 20% down reduces risks of the overall transaction, reduces risks of the cost, reduces risks of, you know, cash flow problems or all that stuff. So, you know, the first thing is to assess the risks as you go into it. And the other part of that is managing the risk. And I think that what happens in a lot of cases is people get excited about things and they go all in. And the one lesson I've learned from, you know, my years in investing and also the people that I know and interview and my clients is that you carefully size your position. So you don't go into a new investment all in and you then monitor it over time and then build into it. So a great example of this was when you went from one condo to two, you know, that just, you massively increased your risk at that point. I mean, exponentially probably because you then didn't have the ability to really handle both of them. So these are the, the lessons that I take away. Would you have any thoughts about those? No, those are great lessons. And I think the other part of it is the emotional side too. I think that's one of the ones that you teach is, you know, you're just like, oh my gosh, like I, you know, I could, I could pay off my student loans and like I could, I could be that much farther ahead, right? Like, and, and, and because of that emotion, I failed to assess the risk and then it failed to manage the risk, right? And so I definitely saw that come into play too. At my, yeah, my scenario. and that's the third most common mistake, which is driven by emotion and flawed thinking. And, you know, that's where we get down to the fact that these kinds of decisions are very emotional and part of what, and I, I can tell you that in investing, your emotions, emotions are rarely going to help you. Yeah, that about, makes sense. You know, your emotions are rarely going to help you. Now, of course, you've described a situation where you got burnt so badly that your emotion related to investing has been, you know, is really constrained and really protective. You know, you're protective of not getting hurt again. So, you know, emotions can occasionally help, but most of the times emotions get us overly excited, overly confident. And so be careful about your emotions. All right. Well, Based on what you've learned from this and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? And let's think about that man or woman right now. They're 20-something, doing okay, making some good money. They're seeing condos. They're seeing houses. Banks are talking to them. They're feeling pretty excited. What one piece of advice would you give them? <laughs> think about this Richard Branson quote that I love. It's opportunities are like buses. There's always another one coming. I think one of the things that we think is like, oh my gosh, 2006, like the, the real estate market's hot. Like I got to get in now, right? Or if it's now 2019 or whatever it is, no, there's always opportunities out there. So don't get wrapped up in the mindset that if I don't do this now, I'm never going to be able to get on the train, right? So really kind of assess your situation where you're at and say, gosh, I don't have an emergency fund. I need to do that. I don't, I'm not investing in the stock market. I need to do that. Like, make sure that you're in the right part and stage of your investment you know, journey before moving forward. 
It's a great point, and it's the idea of FOMO, but it's also the idea of looking at your different alternatives. In, in my case with my coffee, one of my businesses in Thailand that my best friend and I run, which we've run for many years, it's a coffee factory and a roasting company. And we've been debating whether we expand further and deeper into Thailand or whether we then enter into other regional markets, other countries around the region. And we've been pretty far down the road on other countries in the region. And then the other day we just stopped and said, uh, why don't we just look at the idea of expanding in Thailand, deeper, harder, faster, stronger. And it was such a refreshing moment to stop and say, we can do, we don't have to do this just because it's an opportunity right in front of us. And, you know, from a textbook perspective or some other reason, it looks like it's right there. And there is a specific opportunity in front of us right now. But the idea of saying, I do not have to take every opportunity, as mom says to me, when you walk by the store, just because it's cheap doesn't mean you have to buy it. So Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Okay, beware of that FOMO. All right. Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? So for us, we're trying to grow to 2 million readers a month at Wellcap Wallet. So that would be our goal in the next year because we want to help more people kind of like you, just help them make better financial decisions, transform their lives through their personal finances. Fantastic. Well, I think we're, we're going to grow that with the listeners on here with the sensible things that you've said. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit my worst investment ever. As we end, Deacon, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. And truthfully, you've taken a major worst investment and turned it into something positive that others can learn from. So congratulations, you've turned that around. So my last question to you is, do you have any parting words for the audience? Yeah, I think that, you know, the thing is, is that you got to get back up, right? Because we're all going to fail. And I think that's the thing. I love that quote from Michael Jordan. He's like, he's failed hundreds of times, but that's what makes him a winner, right? Because he's learned from those failures and moved on. So, you know, if you do fail, just pick yourself up and keep moving forward. Awesome. Great advice. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers. I'll see you on the upside.